It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, March 22, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider amending recently adopted rules allowing all-terrain vehicles on local streets. ATVs became street legal in Sitka last month with restrictions, including obtaining a local permit and police inspection of the vehicle. But some assembly members were concerned that the new law left a window open for a tour business to rent out ATVs. The amendment would prohibit renting or leasing ATVs for things like driving, tours or hauling freight, among other activities, on local roads. The assembly considered a similar ordinance at its last meeting, but it was pulled from consideration before the assembly voted to clarify the legal language around what constitutes commercial use. The updated ordinance spells things out more definitively. The law would not apply to using an ATV for a business or employment activity when the ATV is not under hire or being rented out. That means people could still drive their ATVs to and from their workplace, and businesses could use their own ATVs for carrying loads. In other business tonight, the Sitka Assembly will consider a temporary moratorium on new short-term rental permits in residential zones. The Sitka Assembly meets at 5 p.m. tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall for a work session with Visit Sitka. Raven News will broadcast the regular meeting live at 6 p.m. following Alaska News Nightly. The Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery goes on two-hour notice at 8 a.m. today. That means a fishery could be announced at any time. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game conducted two aerial surveys over the weekend, but according to a department press release, surveyors didn't observe any herring or spawn. On Sunday, they conducted one test set, finding the fish to be around 140 grams on average, with just under 10 percent mature roe. Salvagers are attempting to contain a diesel fuel spill after an 83-foot tugboat ran aground in Neva Strait, about 15 miles northwest of Sitka, early Monday morning while towing an Alaska Marine Lines barge. Four crew members were aboard the Western Mariner when it ran aground shortly before 3 a.m. on Monday morning. All were safely taken aboard a Good Samaritan vessel. The Western Mariner was towing the Chichigoff Provider, a 286-foot container barge. According to a situation report from the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation, the Western Mariner was heading southbound when a temporary steering failure caused the barge to collide with the tug, pushing it onto the beach. The grounding ruptured one of the tug's fuel tanks, which can hold around 13,000 gallons of diesel fuel. The DEC says that a sheen was observed on the water, covering an area of around four nautical miles north to Salisbury Sound. Efforts to offload the fuel and stop the spill are underway, and containment boom has been placed to reduce the spread of oil. The Coast Guard and Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation have set up a unified command, and the tug's owner, Western Towboat Company, has retained Sitka-based salvagers Hanson Maritime. The oil spill response vessel, Nika Bay, has been mobilized from Juneau, and the Southeast Alaska Petroleum Response Organization, CPRO, has been activated. The barge, Chichikov Provider, has been anchored in Neva Strait outside of the main navigation channel. The DEC says that the cause of the accident remains under investigation. The DEC is coordinating its response with the State Department of Fish and Game, which could potentially hold a sane opening for herring on March 22nd in Hayward Strait, eight miles to the south of the grounded tug. The Alaska Board of Fisheries last week voted down a red king crab proposal that was supported by both the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and area fishermen. It would have created the possibility of holding a limited fishery in a region that hasn't seen an opening in years. KFSK's Angela Denning reports from Petersburg. There's been only one red king crab fishery in the last decade in southeast. 
That's because the state's estimations of crab stocks have repeatedly fallen short of the 200,000 pounds threshold. That number comes from surveys the state conducts in some areas. The board was asked to consider a proposal that would split a limited harvest among permit holders when estimates were too low for a regular competitive fishery. The harvest poundage would be set by the state. The proposal was written together by state managers and industry groups through several meetings. Andrew Olson coordinates the state's crab management in Southeast. He presented the proposal to the board, saying it would allow for a limited harvest and give managers crab data they need. He said they could limit the fishery to areas where they don't survey. We have no stock assessment survey in those non-surveyed areas and allow us to see where other um, populations of red king crab and blue king crab are to get more informed on what the fishermen are seeing out in the, out in the field and then we can integrate that into our stock assessment model to be more informed. Fishermen have repeatedly said there are more red king crab than managers are estimating. The proposal could have allowed fishing if the estimate of legal male crab was at least 50 percent of average. If the harvest level was above 200,000 pounds, management would return to a competitive fishery. The proposal would have expired in three years unless renewed by the board. It also would have allowed multiple permit holders on a vessel fishing together. The crab proposal was backed by several regional industry groups, which represent hundreds of fishermen. The price of red king crab has gone up in recent years, and fishermen say it's worth fishing for a small set harvest. The last opening paid over $10 per pound. Max Warhatch is a fisherman from Petersburg. I think it's a good idea to do this. Um, it's going to give some economic activity, and it'll be warranted. It's a slow fishery. It shouldn't do any harm. The current management plan has different harvest goals for different areas, and fishermen can choose where they want to go. Fishing Games Olson told the board it's hard to manage that way because of the bays and inlets that make up southeast. The fishery goes uh, very fast. Our past fisheries in those survey areas have been 24 hours, which makes it very fast. So at a lower level, to slow it down, equal quota share would allow us to manage more effectively and precise by being able to have that tool in place. He said the bays and inlets have genetically distinct populations of crab, and they need more data on them. In a subsequent interview with KFSK, Kathy Hansen, executive director of the Southeast Alaska Fishermen's Alliance, said using the term equal quota shares was a mistake. It shouldn't have been used in deliberations between the state and the board, and it was also written into the final draft of the proposal. By calling it an equal quota share, that brings the thought of it being more a property right and a guarantee to a harvest. And that was not what the department and industry were working together on. She said the proposal combined managing the fishery while giving opportunity to the fishermen. But the incorrect terminology stuck with board members. Board member Israel Payton of Wasilla spoke against the idea of quota shares like those used in federal managed halibut fisheries. I think the board is defaulting turning some of these fisheries into basically setting policy and turning them into a quasi-IFQ fishery. Board member Jared Godfrey of Eagle River spoke in favor of a free market and against quota shares in general. I personally believe in the spirit of competition and uh, not necessarily the egalitarian approach of let's just equalize it. Board Chair Merrick Carlson von Dort of Anchorage said she also didn't like the idea of quota shares but could support the proposal because it was temporary and the state could gain data. I do think that information gathered through the fleet um, for a discrete amount of time, that being the period of three years, may be useful to the department.
The proposal ultimately died with a two-to-three vote. One Board of Fish member, John Jensen of Petersburg, recused himself, and one board seat is vacant. Fishermen's Alliance Kathy Hansen said they'll plan to bring up the proposal again at the board's next Southeast meeting in three years using different wording. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. The Alaska Department of Health and Social Services will be split into two separate departments in July. Governor Mike Dunleavy proposed a similar change last year that he withdrew after nonprofit and tribal leaders, as well as legislators, raised concerns. Under the change, there will be a Department of Health that would continue to do most of the work of the current Department of Health and Social Services, like overseeing the Medicaid program. Medicaid is one of the largest pieces of the state budget. The other new department will be the Department of Family and Community Services. It will oversee foster care, juvenile justice, Alaska Pioneer Homes, and the Alaska Psychiatric Institute. Adam Crum is the commissioner of the currently combined department. He says the administration reached out to nonprofit and tribal organizations earlier in the process this year than last. Over the last year, we have worked extensively with our stakeholder groups multiple times each week to make sure they understood what was going on. Crum says the large number of services that he oversees meant that he and his staff have moved from one crisis to another, and having two more focused departments will make that less likely. Senate President Peter Michicki says the process went more smoothly this year. The biggest difference this year was we worked together, and we worked together with um, stakeholder groups, frontline workers, division leaders, and the administration as opposed to it sort of plunking down on the desk. We knew it needed to happen, but I think folks needed to warm up to the idea. But the process wasn't entirely smooth. A lawyer for the legislature raised potential legal issues with the plan, and a House committee tried to block Dunleavy's plan. Anchorage Democratic Representative Ivy Spanholes is a member of the committee. She would have liked to have seen the administration incorporate more public input to the plan than it did. We've heard that the very, you know, very successful reorganizations in other states have taken years to plan before going live. Last year, the governor withdrew his proposal after the House committee proposed rejecting it. This year, he didn't, and Michiki says most senators supported the plan. Spanholes noted that under state law, the commissioner sits on several state boards and commissions. And while the administration has divided up which commissioner would sit on which board, she says those changes can't happen without the legislature passing them. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Sitka Adult Spelling Bee is at 7 p.m. today at Harrigan Centennial Hall. The bee is for fun and to raise funds and awareness of Sitka Public Library and Friends of the Library and its 100th anniversary in March of 2023. Masks and social distancing are required. To watch via Zoom, you can follow a link on the community calendar posting. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Music.